Uh, well, Happy New Year. Glad to see you this morning. And uh, if uh, you have your Bibles, I hope you do. If you come with me to um, uh, John uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at um, John chapter 11, uh, verses 45 through the end of the chapter. And so uh, it's been a couple months since we've been in John, and so it's kind of good to go back there and... Um, uh, our text this morning is really a transitional part of John, and uh, uh, it's helpful to remember that uh, John was very intentional about how he, how he structured uh, his gospel. And the Holy Spirit, uh, it's good to remember that the Holy Spirit can use structure, and he can use and, and did use uh, the gospel writers, all very unique yet all with the same uh, message uh, uh, from Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And uh, come with me to John 20 to begin with, and you'll see this, just as part of introduction here, you'll see this, that John is very purposeful in his writing, and he's very purposeful in the arrangement of the material and in, in the life, or the, the historical record of what Jesus accomplished and in John chapter 20, you can look at verse 30. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so when we look at the Gospel of John and, and read it through, there's a purpose that the Holy Spirit uh, wants to bring forth in our heart. And that purpose is that we would uh, know Jesus, that we would accept Jesus, but also that we would have life in his name. And that, that life, John 10.10 10 tells us that that life is an abundant life, which starts, which starts now when we come to faith in Christ. And and goes all the way uh, to heaven where we'll be with the Lord forever. And so as we, as we look at the Gospel of John, we can cooperate and understand uh, just what the Holy Spirit wants to do as we read through uh, the Gospel. And so John chapter 11 is the narrative about Jesus doing the most um, extraordinary miracle uh, to date in John's gospel. And the extraordinary miracle is raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. And that is the seventh miracle that John records. And so, you know, you, those that are kind of drill down and are, are into numbers and things like that, we know that seven is the number of Completion, yeah. So we see the fullness of it. And John began all the way back in John chapter 2 where uh, Jesus uh, turned water into grape juice. He turned, <laughs> just, I'm just teasing you. Uh, he turned water into wine. Uh, and then we see John chapter 4. We see the healing of the official son in John 4, 46 through 54. And then and then in chapter 5, 1 through 18, we see an amazing story of uh, someone that was uh, an invalid for 38 years. And 
He's trying uh, to get God's favor, trying to get to the pool, and Jesus comes to him and, and brings about an amazing healing. Chapter 6, two miracles, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus walking on water. And then in chapter 9, you see the man that was blind from birth, and Jesus comes and restores his sight. And we come to John chapter 11, number 7, that number of completion, and we see uh, Jesus calling forth Lazarus, calling for the stone to be moved, looking forward to that great resurrection that was to come. Stone to be removed. You see the unbinding of Lazarus. Great, just, uh, just uh, to remember it, such a great picture of ministry that Lazarus comes forth from the grave and it's his friends that take the grave clothes off of him and set him free uh, to enjoy life. And that's the, such a rich picture of uh, ministry that we can do for one another. Uh, at the end of the service today, we're going we're gonna to pray for Teddy. You know, Teddy's going to go out to California and, uh, and, and have an operation. And, and one of the things that we can do for one another is to pray for one another, come alongside each other and encourage each other. And, uh, and, and we're going to do that when we conclude the service. But we come to verse 45, and like I said, it's... Uh, it's transitional, and so let's pray, and then we'll look at our, our text this morning. Father, we thank you so much for um, well, just a new opportunity to worship you, um, a, a new year uh, to set our heart and our households in order to follow you and worship you. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that as we look at the text this morning, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts um, to pursue you with, with everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. So we come to verse 45, 46. It says, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And so we see in our text here, we see really what we all experience in life, in ministry, is that we see this great miracle that Jesus did with raising Lazarus from the dead, and yet not everyone believed. And it's kind of extraordinary to think about it, that that, that level of supernatural manifestation of Jesus' authority over life and death, that it wouldn't produce like 100%, you know, uh, revival or 100% turning uh, uh, towards Jesus. And we're going to come and unpackage the reasons why we don't see that and the reasons that in the text, that the text shows us two primary reasons why uh, men and women did not respond to the same reasons uh, that we deal with today. And come to verse 47. So the chief priests and Pharisees gathered the council, the Sanhedrin, and said, what are we to do for that this man performs many signs? If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come, and this is key, 
this next little part of the text is key in understanding why uh, people do not respond to the clear manifestation of uh, Jesus as Messiah, as Lord over a life and death, why they don't respond. And so uh, verse 46 of uh, 48, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And what we see in the text that keeps people from responding to the gospel invitation uh, is, is a reluctance to let go of their own position and power and authority over their own life. And that can be summarized in one word. It's called pride. And the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they had position, they had power, they had influence, but Jesus called men and women to leave their places of position and power and become a what? Become a follower of Christ, yes, but also to become a servant, uh, to minister to the poor, to, uh, to give up position and power uh, for the sake of ministering the kingdom of God to people. And that call is still the same today, is that, that we all deal with that is that Christ calls us to humble ourselves and to be a servant in his name to the people that are around us. And oftentimes, uh, to be able to be effective in ministry, we have to let go of our position, our power, or our influence, um, and really come just representing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so that was the first reason they couldn't couldn't let go, they'd have to give up their position, power, and influence. And the second reason is, is found in the, in the same verse, and they would have to give up their nation. And what the text is referring to is that they, they, they wanted to save their nation because they were, had a nationalistic bent towards them. In other words, their nation was more important than the kingdom of God. That there were things in their life that, that had a superior position uh, in their heart and in their values than the kingdom of God. And, you know, in our own world, we, we deal with that. In church life, we deal with that. Will we give up position, power, prestige and humbly minister to people. And in our country, and, and I love our country. I'm a veteran. I served for four years in the Air Force. I love our country. I think, you know, having been in quite a few different places in the world, you know, our country is awesome. It, just completely awesome. There's no country that uh, immigrants, my, my grandfather was an immigrant. He came across uh, from Nova Scotia when he was 15 years old, came across the border from Canada in Nova Scotia and built a life here and built a family. And I'm proud of my grandfather for coming across. And, and then my great-grandfathers came across from Ireland and built 
strong families. There's no place like an earth where, where people can come you know, from the four corners of the world and work hard and, and make a difference. So I am all in for our, our country. But there's a greater country. There's a greater kingdom. And that is the kingdom of God. And when the kingdom of God is in the right place and our hearts are in the right place to serve Jesus, then we see um, ministry advance and people's lives change. Because no earthly country can change and bring salvation to people. And so they were afraid of losing position, power, and title personally. And they were nationalistic in their view. So their country was more important than the kingdom of God. And because of that, um, they kept their hearts from fully coming to know Jesus Christ. Come back to the text with me. But one of them, Caiaphas, he was a scoundrel. He was, as the text tells us, he was the high priest. And what we come to find out is that he was an appointed leader. The Romans appointed him because he could be bought and he could be a puppet. But even as God used a donkey, Balaam's donkey, to talk, God uses Caiaphas to tell us a couple important truths. He prophesies. Come back to the text. Take a look at it. But when one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. Caiaphas didn't know much at all himself. Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not only for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. And so when we look at this, there's two truths that even, you know, God can use anybody he wants to use to speak. And there's two truths that, that this religious leader speaks out. One is that, is that uh, Jesus did come to save sinners, that the Lord wanted no one to perish. And so he sent Christ to save sinners, and we can see that 2 Corinthians 5.21, 1 Peter 3.8, and that his, secondly, his single sacrifice prevents many people from going to hell. His single sacrifice is the door to not only eternal life in the future, but it is the door to have an abundant life today and to have his joy in our life. And that when our lives are, are difficult and trying, that Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit, comes alongside us to encourage us and give us, give us hope and give us peace in the most difficult places of life because he, has, he is our great high priest and he knows the things that we deal with. And so there is always hope in Christ because he has secured that hope by his death and burial and resurrection. Verse 53 is one of these key uh, 
you know, pivot points in John's gospel. It says, so from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Verse 54. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to a region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim. And there he stayed with the disciples. This uh, one verse speaks so much to us about living life. Um, Jesus was not going to be rushed. Uh, Jesus was not going to be uh, responsive uh, uh, to the crowds, which we're going to find were awaiting for him in Jerusalem at the Passover. They were wondering, like, what is he going to do next? Because he was always uh, uh, causing a brouhaha when he taught in Jerusalem. But Jesus is intentional about setting aside time to be with his father, but also look at the text. He's setting aside time to, to be with his disciples and enjoy friendship and relationship. If we could use a, a word for this, it's called um, uh, making space. We could say uh, building margins, uh, creating opportunity for rest and, and relationship with the people that we love. And Jesus always modeled this for his disciples. He was always on God's, the Father's time frame, and he was always making space and always making time and always building in margins in his ministry so that he had the capacity to minister to people and respond according to his father's timeline. In our culture, we just turned a calendar, right? We went into 2022. And it's a good time to take a look at our calendars. It's a good time to take a look at our life and ask ourselves, do, do we have that type of uh, capacity or margins or space to be able to step aside and to hear from God and in, to enjoy the relationships and friendships that we have with one another. I can tell you that I struggle with that. Struggle with how do we, how do you put uh, 10 pounds in a five pound bag? Well, you can't do it. And if we, what I've tried to do is take a look at my schedule and set aside those blocks of time so that I can have relationship with friends and family and, and to hear uh, what God would say to me. And so Jesus models that, and he's waiting, as we're going to see in the text, he's waiting for that perfect time where he would enter Jerusalem to be the lamb that would be a sacrifice that he, at the, just the right time, would come into Jerusalem. And that's the pivot point uh, in John's gospel. And let's take a look at it. So in verse 55, now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and many went up from the country to, to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. And they were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, what do you think? That he will not, uh, that he will not come? to the feast at all? 
Now the chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they, they might arrest him. And so we're coming to a place in John starting next week in John chapter 12 where we'll see Jesus making those steps towards becoming the Lamb of God. It's interesting when we try to understand uh, why would Judas abandon Jesus Christ? Well, I think the text here kind of gives us a clue to what was in Judas's heart. And it's the same two things that we've already, it's the t- same two things that we've already mentioned about the religious leaders of the day. Is one, they'd have to give up position, power, and title. What did Judas have to give up? What was his position, power, and title? He was the, he was the treasurer. He was the money bag man. And so he had control over resources and money and power and position. He'd have to give that up. What was the second thing that we mentioned about the religious leaders of the day? They'd have to, they'd have to let their nationalism be subservient to the kingdom of God. And what we see here is the heart of Judas that he loved the religious leaders and he loved the system and he, and he loved power rather than becoming a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And those are the same things that, that you and I deal with in our lives, is that will we humble ourselves? And if we'll do that, God, what's the promise if we humble ourselves? God will exalt us. If we, if we make our life subservient to God's kingdom, make our life subservient to his word, then what flows out of that is a blessed life, useful to Jesus Christ, and we're in a place and a position to bless and encourage other people. And so that's my encouragement to you in this first Sunday of our new year, is create some margins in your life, create some space, so that you can allow God's word and the Holy Spirit to fill your heart in such a way that brings forth a humility of heart and a desire to put Christ first in your heart and life so that you can minister to others with his mercy and his compassion. And it's the same charge I would give to us as a church, is let us keep Christ at the center of all that we do and let his word direct our paths so that we can experience his presence in our life, his joy in our life, and so that we would be truly useful to our community and to the people that don't know the Lord by ministering the gospel and the love that we find in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Can you say amen to that?